some of these companies fucking come out of the ashes, man. They've been beaten to a pulp. They shouldn't work. They shouldn't be around anymore. And somehow, you know, they, they come back because they came up with, you know, a new way, a new thing. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Sell Porn or Die Trying. I'm your host, Connor Young. This is my show where we talk about the business side of the adult entertainment business. And welcome back to the show. We've been we've been gone for a little while. We took a little break uh, right around the fall. Why not? We produce a number of shows and we get incredibly busy that we have to focus on. Uh, we got back from Hollywood. I'll, I'll talk about that in just a little bit. Uh, but yeah, we, we've taken a little break, but now we're back and we are ready to close out season one of this podcast with a few more episodes this year before we head into season two next year. It's hard to believe that we have almost a full season of shows under our belt for 2021. Yeah, 2020 felt like it just dragged on and on and 2021 felt like it just flew right by. So excited to to bring today's episode to you guys and to get back in the flow of things and get rolling again with sell porn or die trying we have a fantastic guest on the show today this was actually recorded a while ago so i've had this one ready to share with you guys for a while uh, i talked today on the show with joey gabra who is the managing director of nms productions so we have a terrific discussion about affiliate marketing the state of the industry uh, marketing adult in general and, and we just get to know Joey a little bit because he's a really interesting guy. So we'll get into that discussion in a little bit. Thrilled to be back. And, uh, you know, it's been it's been a busy last few months for Why Not and for myself. Um, I'm happy to report we had a fantastic show that went down in Hollywood. If you were there with us, uh, then thank you for coming out. We were we were happy to have you there. And uh, if you weren't there, let me tell you a little bit about what went on. So in 2021, Why Not was, gosh, I don't know if we were the first. If we weren't the first, we were one of the first uh, uh, adult B2B shows in all of North America to come back after the pandemic. So we returned to Hollywood, California with Why Not Community, which is our, our business show for adult industry models, performers, creators, cam models. Uh, it's it's really all centered around that group. And we we did our show at the W Hollywood Hotel right in the heart of Hollywood, California, downtown uh, on Hollywood Boulevard. That was a three day event. It included seminars and sessions. And there was a whole lot of photography that was shot. That was actually really cool. That was an element of the show. We really wanted to to beef up a bit. And it, it definitely happened. Cam 4 was there. Uh, they were a sponsor of the event, and they brought a bunch of models out, and they were just shooting great promo content in the rooms there, uh, which was fun to watch. They had fantastic uh, photography team there that was just doing amazing work. Chatterbait was there with a bunch of their models. They shot some promo material as well, uh, and I, I'm sure you're going to be seeing a lot of what they shot soon in their, in their promotional work uh, here in the industry. Um, it was just it was just a lot of fun. We had a, a terrific time in Hollywood. There were networking events. And here's something really fucking cool that happened during the during the show. And this one I didn't even expect. And it went down. So the part that I did expect was Strip Chat really stepped up and they sponsored a private night at the Improv for us in Hollywood. The Improv is an iconic, famous Hollywood uh, comedy club. 
You know, the, it used to be a TV show called Night at the Improv, um, which which I think was on AMC or or one of those show one of those channels. This is the the this is the location where that show was shot. Some of the biggest names in comedy have gotten famous on this stage at the Improv, so it was really cool just to be there. Really cool location. Great working with uh, with the staff there. We had some wonderful comics that performed for us. But here was the part that was kind of like, holy shit. So before the show goes down, I'm talking with Rita, who runs the uh, the place over at the Improv. And we're just kind of just talking about comedy. I got there early to make sure, you know, the venue was ready and things were set up for the sponsor and all that good stuff. And I'm just sort of chilling there talking with Rita. And we're talking about comedy. And I was telling her, you know, when I was a kid, my favorite comic by far was Eddie Murphy. I just memorized all his all his routines. I could pretty much, you know, recite some of his comedy albums to this day if I really needed to, probably right from the start. And uh, and then when I got a little older and I got into college, you know, that sort of shifted. I always liked Eddie Murphy, but uh, it really kind of morphed into George Carlin. George Carlin was my man. You know, he just really spoke to me that frustration and anger. He had towards the establishment putting restrictions on what, you know, consenting adults can do. The absurdity uh, that we saw from from mainstream society towards, oh, you used a bad word or whatever it is. You know, George Carlin really spoke to me. Um, Love George Carlin. Still do. His comedy is amazing. Um, May he rest in peace. Then as I got a little older yet more more recently, my favorite comic is Bill Burr. Bill Burr just speaks to me now in ways that a lot of comics don't. I think he's an amazing comic that, and that he he sort of stays on the edge of dangerous territory without really completely falling over. He like a less skilled comic would would get canceled trying to do the material Bill Burr is able to do, and he manages to do it just right to where it's very funny and everybody in the room has a good time. You know, he can sort of make you slightly uncomfortable at times, which is an interesting. Uh, interesting experience when you're watching this guy perform. So we have that whole discussion about comics and the show's about to start and Rita comes up to me and she, she, she kneels down and she's like, Connor, don't freak out. So I'm thinking, ah, shit, you know, what's, what's going wrong here is, is, uh, you know, one of the comics can't make it, you know, they're having a problem, something, you know, uh, one of the guests is having a problem. I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to, my mind's just going with what could, what could have gone wrong, you know? So, so I said, all right, you know, what? what is it? And she says, Bill Burr is here. He wants to go on. So I'm like, I look at her. I'm like, are you shitting me? And she's like, no, I'm not kidding you. It's like, are you are you fucking punking me right now? You know, I'm looking around for the, you know, Ashton Kusher or whatever. You know, it's like, who's fucking punking me? Because we were just talking about this, right? We were just talking about this. No, Bill Burr was there. He wanted to go on. You know, he was working on his material and he wanted some time. And, uh, and so he showed up at the improv. The man wanted to go on. So I'm, I'm shitting at this point. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? So we're scrambling. Uh, Kate Kennedy was was hosting and kind of emceeing the event for us and the kind of went on and did some material to open up. And so we're 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 scrambling to find her, make sure she knows she's going to introduce Bill Burr. And uh, and sure as shit, you know, she, Kate's up there. Bill Burr comes out. He's standing feet away from me in this dark club. And I, you know, I see him. He's right there. What a fucking trip. And he goes on and he performs for our group there just for the uh, Why Not Community group for the strip chat party. And we got like we got treated to a private show uh, of Bill Burr's comedy. And that was fucking amazing. So that was another highlight. 
Um, we had um, a, a fantastic, um, we had a fantastic receptions that went down. Um, it was just, it was a good time. Everybody was in a good mood. Uh, everybody had fun. Um, I think, you know, you're the first show back uh, after the pandemic and we didn't really know what to expect, but I, I was very pleased with, with how that show happened. And we're really looking forward to rolling that one into 2022 and just seeing the momentum continue to build again because it was such a bummer. We, we launched that show in 2019 and we couldn't do it in 2020. And that was just a total bummer missing out. But the other bummer was, of course, in 2020, missing out on the Why Not Cam Awards, which we were able to run in 2021 again uh, live from Hollywood. And that was also fantastic. We had some hiccups on the live stream. I'm not going to lie. The first two years we did this, the live stream went off, you know, mostly without a hitch. There were some small Small issues uh, with the live stream, of course, which is which would be expected. This time, we couldn't use the team we used before; they were uh, unavailable at those dates, and so we had a different team that was that was working with us on the live stream, and they just miscalculated on a few things, and the live stream did not start on time. That was that was interesting. Uh, Jay and myself, we were just running around ready to shoot ourselves in the head, you know, with every minute that was passing with this, this live stream not starting because what it did is it backed up the red carpet queue. People were waiting to walk the red carpet and instead of moving people through the queue and keeping the, the line small, um, we're, we're waiting to start and the queue just filled up, um, all the way down Vine Street in Hollywood, you know, which is like, ah, shit, you know, on the one hand, it's nice to see a big line waiting to get in your event, but, we work really hard to make sure that the nominees and their guests and the sponsors and everybody feels like, you know, we, we, we value their time and we know what we're doing. And that was a drag to have that delayed start to the live stream. But, you know, eventually we got that going. Um, the, the interviews happened on the red carpet. Um, there was a little cost to the late start. There were a few people that we wish could have gotten through the red carpet that uh, the live stream had to move inside to the building to get ready for the show. But the show is great. Everybody had a really good time. It's always our goal to make people feel like, you know, hey, why not really cares about us, um, cares about the industry, because we do. We absolutely do. This is our home. We love this business. We've been in it for a long time, Jay and myself. Um, we, we care about the performers. We know, you know, we watch what they go through. We know how much work it is that they're doing on a, on a day-to-day basis and then they got to take a lot of shit from people saying like, hey, get a real job or you don't you don't know what real work is or it's all easy. You know, it, it's got to be frustrating as all hell listening to comments from that from people who don't know what the fuck they're talking about. So this is our big night in Hollywood to let the cam performers and the creators know how valued they are, how important they are, um, how much we understand the work that they do is very hard work. So that's what it was all about. And seeing everybody smiling and so happy to be together again after the long layoff from the uh, 2020 pandemic, um, it was it was fantastic. We we put rules in place that only vaccinated people were allowed into the venue. This was for both Why Not Community and also for the Why Not Cam Awards. That decision, which we made back in August, turned out to be incredibly smart because there were a bunch of reasons why we wanted to do that. One was to keep everybody safe. But the other reason was because we were looking at, at California and L.A. and saying, 
you know, if they change the rules on us and we have people coming in from out of town or overseas or wherever it is, and they suddenly can't get into the venue if they're not vaccinated, we don't want that to happen either. We want everybody to feel safe and have a fully vaccinated crowd. So we put those rules in place early on. And for the most part, I got to say, our industry was great with this. Everybody was very understanding about those rules. You know, we were worried that we were going to get a bunch of pushback. You see in the news, people screaming when there's 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 rules, you know, mad, angry. That really didn't happen. We had a couple of people who, you know, for whatever reason, uh, weren't vaccinated, didn't want to be vaccinated and couldn't get into the venue. But they knew in advance and they they didn't waste their time, you know, coming out to the venue. But the vast, vast majority of people were were great with that. Um, a lot of models told us that they wouldn't come otherwise. And then it turned out L.A. did change the rules so the venue had to ask for proof of vax for people going in. So if we hadn't set that rule and we had like told people, yeah, you can come with, say, a, a negative covid test or something like that, it would have been it would have been a nightmare. So we're glad that didn't happen and that we made the right call there. And it was a really good time. So that's the reason why this show has been on a bit of a hiatus and we haven't been uh, going for the last uh, couple of months. We've been so heavily focused on running that stuff in Hollywood. Now we're ready to go though. We can we can come back to come back to sell porn or die trying and continue to bring some fantastic guests for you to hear from. And today is no exception. In fact, this was a really fun interview. In today's show, I talked with Joey Gabra, who's the managing director of NMS Productions. Joey's been around for a long time. He's been in the business since 2011. I mean, it's not as long as me. I have to brag. I, I go all the way back to uh, 1997. So I'm just gonna. I don't know if that's a good thing or not, though. I'm bragging about that because, you know, my industry experience. But the truth of the matter is it just shows that I'm getting old. But uh, Joey's uh, so Joey, in that sense, is newer to the business, but he's got plenty of experience in, in the uh, in the adult industry. This interview was recorded months ago. So you may hear some things here and there, you know, um, that that seem like, wait, when are they talking about this? That's the reason why we recorded this before the show started and before we ran into the break here for the podcast. So if you hear a little bit of a time discrepancy and you're wondering, hey, why are they talking about this? Uh, that's that's the reason why. But for the most part, hey, this is just a fun interview. Um, Joey is a very good musician. He's performed for us before at events. We did a, a gathering in Austin, Texas once, and he he showed up and played guitar uh, with a band at, a, at, a, at a, a local club there. He was amazing, really great guitarist, knows a ton about music, just a really interesting guy. So we talk a little bit about him and what he's into so you can get a sense of the guy if you don't already know him. Um, and then we get into a discussion about uh, the state of the industry. You know, we talk about, hey, if you're trying to get started in this business right now, how would you go about it? What would you do? Where is the traffic at these days? I throw this question at everybody. I I feel like the answers aren't always really satisfying because there aren't any easy answers. But my hope is you keep hearing all these opinions and thoughts from different guests. You can start to put a, a picture in your mind of kind of how this works, where the weaknesses are, and where you have to kind of go out and solve this problem. Because that's the most difficult part about being in this business right now. How do you get visitors so that you can monetize those visitors? So we talk about that. Uh, Joey's got a great background in traffic and in mobile, especially. He's a big, he was a big um, expert on the mobile adult side of the business. Uh, we talk about, you know, myths in the industry and which verticals are doing well outside of, we, we all know Camden Dating, 
What else is doing well? These are the kinds of things we talk about in this interview. Really appreciate Joey for jumping on this this discussion with me and for his patience in waiting this breakout until his interview was aired. So here it is, guys, without any further ado, here is me talking with Joey Gamera from NMS Productions. Hey, Joey Gabra, really pleased to uh, to hang out and talk with you today. Thanks for thanks for joining us on the show. Hey, Connor, thank you very very much for having me. It's it's a real pleasure. Thank you. Now, Joey, like God, I'm trying to think. Like we go back, you know, we've known each other for for quite a while. Um, when did you first? When was your first year in the business? Do you remember? Yeah, that sort of depends. Um, it's an interesting kind of answer. So it depends on which which part of the business we we kind of get into. I had been sort of dabbling in the adult space since I want to say about 2006, 2000, no, yeah, around 2005, 2006. And I'd been more um, internal in terms of the office and operations and things like that. So, you know, I wasn't really the man on the ground that a lot of people know me as now until about 2010, 2011, um, where I kind of sort of earned my stripes and worked my way up a bit and, and started working with some slightly more heavy hitters and they wanted me more as a face of the company, you know, getting out there doing sales and, and really kind of building brand strength for them. That, that all started right around 2011, early 2011. Um, but technically, yeah, I'd been, I'd been in the business since probably late 2005. Yeah. And you did a great job without everybody knows you. Well, you know, most everybody knows you and, um, and it, it felt like in short order that you'd been around forever, um, yeah, which, was, which was, which was great. It's been and, good. Yeah, and uh, I do want to get into all the industry stuff, but mm-hmm. um, first, for those who don't know you, just kind of getting to know you a little bit first. Um, obviously, I, I wanted with you. I wanted to talk music a little bit because I know that's really uh, one of your passions. Um, and so, kind of give everybody a little bit of background about your your kind of experience as a musician and, and with music. Yeah. Um, so it's I'm probably let me see I'm 44 now, so it's going about 31, 32 years. Uh, playing guitar. Um, you know, I think I started like a lot of people, a lot of kids in their teen years, just picked up any cheap guitar and tried everything possible to become a big time rock star. That was the goal at the end of the day. Um, you know, it's probably lends itself to how I ended up more in the adult business because I had made every effort to be a musician and avoid college and avoid becoming a professional in that regard because I wanted music. And then obviously music didn't work out. So I was like, well, shit, now who's, who's going to hire me without a degree and without any sort of real, like, you know, significant skills. (laughs) So I kind of made my break into, you know, the beginnings of adult space, uh, at the time, but yeah, so I've been playing, um, continuously. Uh, it's, it's my favorite thing on the planet guitar, um, and music in general. I studied in college. I was, uh, dabbling a little in doing composition for film. I wanted to try to start, uh, actually composing soundtracks and things like that. And I did a few little independent things back then. And, um, it was, it's a, it's a, that's a tall order too. That's, that's big work and it's hard to get into, but it was, it was a neat experience to learn how that all works. But, uh, so yeah, I, I became more of a well-rounded musician out of college just in terms of understanding the bigger picture and how we all play well together with certain instruments and certain tones and things like that. But my primary has always been the guitar, um, which uh, I've used for everything that I do. I mean, you, you've seen probably all the way up until, you know, some of the more recent shows, um, 
you know, we have live music at these events. We do a lot of fun things. We try to make things interesting and different. And, um, my experience with the guitars has somehow kind of worked its way into a lot of these little fun things we do at the trade shows. And we get, you know, a bunch of these guys, there's a lot of other great musicians out there in our industry as well. So we'll get together and jam. We started a little industry band a little while back. Um, but bottom line is it's, it's, it's definitely a passion of mine. I've, I've just recently launched a YouTube channel for guitar players, um, where we do lessons and gear reviews and I just get to sort of nerd out, um, on the guitar. So, so when you were a kid, basically you, you bought a beat up six string from yep. a secondhand store. You didn't know how it. to play it, but you knew for sure. That I, mean, I see where I see where you're going here. I see. Where you're... <laughs> nice one. I think we cover that song right now too. <laughs> couldn't resist. Couldn't resist. So, so, how is it? What's the live music scene like these days? You're in San Antonio. Like, yeah. is there, are there is there a lot going on? And um, and what was it like during COVID? Oh man. So that's a great question because it's been an interesting, you know, obviously during COVID too. It's been a, a, an interesting little roller coaster from that perspective. So you know, we moved here to San Antonio about four years ago. And while we were kind of getting settled in, we got this, this nice new house and it needed some fixing up and, and the kids were getting all, you know, get back into school and all that junk. So I actually had to take a pause from music, um, for almost two years. You know, I would still kind of screw around at night when I had some free time, but I didn't really get into it until we finally felt ready to. So, um, about a year, oh, just close to two years ago, um, I joined up with a cover band out here and a um, bunch of really great guys. And this was a working cover band already. And so I didn't really know much about the San Antonio scene. I knew more about, you know, Austin and some of those other big music cities where you, it's pretty easy to stay busy if you're a half decent musician. Um, whereas San Antonio, it was kind of hit or miss. And I was just happy to play music. I didn't care. I was, you know, I was missing it. It was a long two years without actually being in a room with other musicians and, and being fun and creative. So I met up with these guys. Um, and right, right from the go, we were playing gigs every week, pretty much. And what I learned, especially in this area, San Antonio is a much more, um, it's a bigger sort of family friendly area. So not, it's not the music scene that Austin is where people whether they're young or old or whatever, we'll just go somewhere and sit down and watch music. Um, San Antonio is where people might, you know, whether it's dinner or a lounge or something and, you know, just, you know, there's a, there's a band playing, you know, it could be a cover band, it could be whatever. So we started there just kind of being fun background music, um, doing festivals, doing the, all these things. And then, as that started kind of progressing, obviously, it, uh, we had a pretty we were, we were doing real well and we had been voted the top band in San Antonio. Um, yeah, which was awesome. And uh, sure enough, COVID happens and, you know, all the restaurants and the clubs and the bars are shutting down. And um, the lucky thing for us is a lot of the guys in my band uh, were all either, you know, working and doing well or retired. So not having income from being in a band didn't hurt anybody. And we were still happy to just kind of jam and play together. And every now and again, a private party would pop up or something. And that, that was cool. So we kind of kept things moving. Fast forward to, you know, a few months ago when Texas decided to open the doors and let everybody start hanging out again, um, we were one of the few bands left. And uh, man, we since then... A slow week is two gigs a week. We've got three starting tomorrow, almost every Thursday, Friday, uh, every Friday, sorry, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, and yeah, so I, I guess to go back a little bit in your answer, 
I wouldn't say the music scene is explosive out here. It's nice. Um, and if you're in a, a decent working band like mine, um, there's lots of, you know, there's lots of places and lots of time to play. And, um, I feel like I'm one of the lucky ones. I get to, I'm playing more now than I did when I was a kid. I mean, it's yeah, awesome. Your next, uh, if you guys ever cut an album, uh, you got a title for you. Last band standing. Last band like, standing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes that's what it's all about, right? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah. what did you, what did you listen to when you were growing up? You know, I was really into like metal and stuff like mm-hmm. that when I was younger in high school. And do you have any like influences? Yeah. Yeah. So it kind of, it was, it was dependent on certain things. You know, if I, if I stepped out of my, my sort of my musician mind and I just wanted to listen to music because it was cool then I was probably pretty similar I, you know I liked a lot of the the metal bands back in the day the Panteras and I was a big fan of Testament and Megadeth and I think everybody had to have some place in their heart for Metallica back then um and then as a guitar player uh it was completely different a lot of it I Guns N' Roses is probably my all-time favorite um oh dude Slash is oh my god when I was in high school like I had buddies I I have a music background myself I haven't done it in years but like um you know I was a saxophone player in high school you know so I did a lot of jazz combo stuff and went to jazz competitions we were good enough to play at the Monterey Jazz Festival once which was great like when we were in high school even and then uh, when I got I I played drums for fun you know and that Mm-hmm. led to like in college I was in a rock band you know so we'd play bars and stuff and I, I played drums that's awesome uh, but when my high school buddies we used to do uh, we'd get over at his house and play uh, Guns N' Roses songs Man. and we were so into them and I went to see uh, Guns N' Roses uh, I think they were opening for somebody it was during Appetite for Destruction so it was early on and the solo for Sweet Child of Mine is just, I mean, I know it's its a pop song, but that solo is so fucking great. I love the way that song builds. It starts off real slow and simple and just goes into this fucking driving fucking solo. And its its I like the excitement build on that solo. So I was really looking forward to seeing it. Fucking Slash broke a string like ah, at the start of that fucking shit. solo. He had to ad-lib <laughs> some shitty fucking solo that was nothing like it. And yeah. he's, I think he's one of the most... I mean, he's appreciated, but he's underrated even. He's so good. He's underrated. Yeah, I would agree. I, and that, uh, uh, you know, he's, he's, uh, you're right. He's like, he's worldly appreciated, but I don't think people would really appreciate what he, I mean, he is significant, right? And I, I mean, as I said, I'm a diehard. And so what I learned, you know, so coming up, there's a lot of great guitar bands and even some of the bands that people didn't like, um, you know, I liked Extreme a lot because their guitar player was, he's still to this day one of the best on the planet. But obviously they're kind of, you know, they're a cheese rock band, but goddamn, they are unbelievably talented. So I listened to a lot of that stuff and that's when I had my my guitar hat on, you know. Um, but Slash, that song, you know, Sweet Child is scientifically a perfect song, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's fucking so perfect. And I know as a musician, when I treated appetite for destruction and use your illusion almost like a bible um i learned every lyric every note note for note and i guarantee you what i picked up learning those two albums no guitar player can learn in 10 years taking lessons not even fucking close and uh so yeah the, you know it's that so guns and roses for me is just about everything and then everything outside of that is just nice you know i love avenge sevenfold right now they are such a great they're a talented metal band. It's like, you know, Iron Maiden and Guns N' Roses had a baby and they're on top of that world-class musicians, like schooled world-class musicians. Um, yeah. So, but 
that's kind yeah, of my little bubble of stuff. I, I was lucky enough to where one of my buddies from when I was young, he actually works at the Forum now over in L.A., so he's one of the guys who puts on events there and stuff. His father was uh, um, um, an, an agent for really well-known acts. Um, the first one I got to go see was actually Huey Lewis. He was Huey Lewis's uh, awesome. <laughs> um, um, agent. Yeah, not manager, agent. So he, they'd like arrange for their shows where they were playing live and stuff. Yeah. And so I remember being a kid and going backstage and hanging out with the, like all Huey Lewis in the news. And there they were all, all <laughs> so really cool. nice guys, man. They were just all amazing, every last <laughs> one of them. And uh, then later on, he picked up. And this was like, man, by then I was older in high school school and they picked up Aerosmith and Ooh. it was after like permanent vacation and all that shit was going on. Mm-hmm. And so we get to go hang out backstage with Aerosmith and uh, we were backstage with them when I actually was in college and I had this dispute with our guitar player because I, I played a little guitar yeah. and I wrote this riff I really liked and he was like, nah, we can't use it. It sounds too much like Sweet Emotion. So he, <laughs> he didn't know like I had this. I'm like, look, I'm going to see Aerosmith next week and if I get them to say it's fine, will you play this fucking song? Yeah. And he's like, yeah, sure. You get them to say that it's fine and all play, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I was backstage hanging out and um, and I was like, I, I, I was talking to... Uh, God, what's his name? The bass player who wrote Sweet Emotion, Hamilton. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Joe, Joe Hamilton or something. Joe, like that? No, not Joe. It's like no. Brad. 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 No, Brad. Yes, no. Brad Hamilton. Yeah. That's okay. What it is. Well, we were sitting at a table with him, and he actually wrote the fucking song. And so I was like, "Hey," I explained the whole situation to him. I'm like, "Will you write something saying that like we didn't rip you off?" And he's like, "It's he's wise, you know, because he's, like, uh, he's not going to say that because what if I did rip him off? Right. right? So right, I like, put right. something in writing saying he didn't rip you off. He's like." How about if I like what's your guitar player's name? I was like Luke. He's like, what if what if I just tell him like Luke? Um, cool. Connor Connor paid me off, so it's okay. There like, you go. Fucking great. It's like you have something to write on, and I'm like, all I had was like I had this card. You know those like uh, uh, sex workers who would drop cards around Vegas, at a concert yeah. and shit, right? Oh, so I had so this good. card. I'm like, I handed it to him, and he looks at it, and he was just like, oh my god, he was fucking laughing, and then he wrote on the other side. So I took it back to my guitar player. I'm like, all right, you got to play it now, man. It's, Here it is. He shit himself. He's like, are you fucking kidding me? I'm like, hey, I told you, man. That is unbelievable. That's a great story, dude. That's so good. <laughs> yeah. Good stuff, man. All right. Hey, I got some quick questions for you. Basically, don't think about these okay. at all like fast. These are fast responses. So just uh, just just say whatever comes to mind. Uh, first question. If you could add mandatory alcohol to any one professional sport, what would it be? Ooh, shoot. Uh, it had to be mandatory. Uh, basketball. <laughs> Strong yeah. basketball. That could yeah. be good. That could be very good. All right. If animals could talk, which do you think would be the biggest asshole? Oh, um, cats. Cat, look, that's, to be. that's gotta be a good choice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. If you could recast any movie role and put yourself in it instead, like, which would you pick? Ooh, uh, I got, uh, I got to give you two answers. It's, it's going to either be gladiator or Braveheart. <laughs> no okay, question. All right. Yeah. all right. So you want to get your freaking like rage on. Yeah, like, dude. Uh, yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah. The, the hardest thing, if you had to give something up, what would be the hardest thing for you to give up? Music, guitar. Yeah, for I, sure. I thought, I thought you were going there. Yeah, but thought I thought question. All right. And the most overrated band of all times? Uh, of all time, I'm going to have to go with Limp Biscuit. All right. Limp Biscuit. Got it. Yeah. All right. And who's the first adult performer that comes to mind if you think of the adult industry? <sighs> for me, it's Tara Patrick. Dude, did you see the yeah. news? I just saw the news, and it's funny because I mean, she was she was my everything back in the day too. So yeah, she she's typically when I think anything adult outside of my being in the industry, she's the first one that comes to my head always. 
Yeah, for those who don't know what I'm referencing, Tara Patrick's going to be speaking at the Why Not Summit that yeah. we're having here. In a, in a, from the time we're recording this, um, it'll I don't know when this uh, episode's coming out officially, but it's a few weeks from uh, from Amazing. today when we're actually recording this interview. And I'm totally geeking out about that Dude, because like huge. it was yeah. like I mean when I was uh, just a webmaster back in the early days yeah. and didn't really know anybody, and you'd go to shows and she would just show up and it was like wow, like you know um, she was I didn't know a lot of adult stars to be honest back then, yeah. but but with her, it was like she just had that charisma when she came in the room. And it was like, man, this is somebody – she got that start. Some people just have charisma. I used That's to hate, exactly like, right. I used to hate singers because like as a musician, I'd be like, fuck these guys. It's like they don't have like, – we got to work our fucking ass off. These guys show up. They just start singing. All the girls go crazy. And then I got older and I was like, you know what? No, these guys are hard to find. Finding someone with charisma who can actually sing and then hold the room and, and yeah. get a whole audience paying attention and all into it. People with charisma like that are very valuable. And Tara Patrick had that kind of charisma. Absolutely. I think, so. I think and she was, you know, I met her, this was years ago, one of the, gosh, years and years ago, one of the award shows um, and her rock star husband. And I, I loved his band as well. Um, Biohazard, if I remember correctly. And um, they were both so nice. Like it was, it was cool. She was really cool and, you know, gorgeous. And I expected him to be less cool just because I knew his personality from what I'd seen in TV and things like that. And they were both really nice to me. And, um, that kind of just made it all even cooler for me. I appreciated them more for that, but yeah. Um, you guys scored on that one, dude. That's killer. That is killer. <laughs> I know. I'm very, very thrilled with that. Yeah. Hey, hey so uh, let's get to know your your company a little bit. So you are the uh, managing director at NMS Productions. Um, so tell us a little bit about uh, NMS Productions and what's a typical workday like for you? Okay. So this needs maybe a, a bit of prefacing So because there was a bit of an evolution into what NMS Productions is now. Um, so... For the last five or six years, something like that, uh, I was with a company called New Media Services, which is you know NMS. Um, this was now now NMS Productions and NMS or New Media Services. They're actually two different companies, although a lot of the same people were you know a lot of crossover. But so those of you who know me from NMS or uh, New Media Services know that what we were really working on at the, in this particular side of the business was. It was a big outsourcing operation. So we had a massive team of brilliant people kind of scattered throughout the world. Um, and primarily, you know, the cheap labor kind of coming out of the Philippines was sort of our biggest uh, element of the company. But we, the company, been in mainstream doing what they did for years before I came on board. Then when I joined in five years ago, I kind of helped them penetrate that market and and get sort of a more adult friendly business going for, for what we could do. And, and I'll maybe elaborate a little more on that later, but it was a, it was a, a glorified outsourcing solution. And so leveraging that into what NMS productions is now. So to answer your question, um, the founder of new media services and myself, we got into a point, especially during the pandemic where new media services itself was able to sort of work on autopilot now. We had really good management, really good people at the, uh, you know, running the offices out throughout the world that it became very easy during the pandemic for Martin, um, our founder, and myself to step back and uh, let things kind of cruise through uh, whatever it needed to cruise through. And we were spending a lot of that time throwing crazy ideas around, you know, new businesses, new products, new whatever. And we have the benefit of 
the team at new media services for in terms of developers and designers and real just creative minds that every stupid idea we came up with, we could just throw it at any one of these resources or any 50 of those resources and they'd build it. And, you know, I think like anything, I eight out of 10 times, they weren't awesome ideas, but we were, <laughs> we were afforded the ability to at least see it through. Yeah. Um, so what ends up happening uh, is we, decide we want to break into sort of the influencer marketing, influencer content creator space. Um, and we produced a television show. Um, we self-funded and produced a reality show that's sort of a miniature version. If you remember that show Blind Date that used to be on years ago. Um, so we did something similar. We would get a couple of influencers, well-known sort of D-level celebrities or, or people you might have seen online on social media to meet for the first time, go on a short blind date together, and we would gamify it all. So they'd have to do fun little challenges, sexy challenges, things like that. And the only way they'd win money is if they were able to work together as a team. Long story short, at the end, they either decide they like each other and they want to stick around. We get them a nice, beautiful house that they can spend the night in and have a romantic evening together. Or at the end, they can just tell each other to fuck off and yeah. call it a day. <laughs> and that show went really well. Like we just tried it out. It was easy to produce. I shot the whole thing, shot and directed it in, in LA uh, last uh, somewhere in late summer of 2020. And it, I think with the help of the influencers that are starring in it, it, it kind of blew up. We did, it, it worked really well and got a few hundred thousand followers on YouTube. And it kind of built this thing, this little machine that now that we've seen it working and we, we've been able to monetize it and it's all working. NMS Productions then became a production company, I guess, in so many words. And um, where we're at now is sort of the same thing as what I mentioned before. It's a big part of my day is coming up with lots of crazy shit and seeing what sticks. And now that we've got a pretty decent machine here that we sort of know how it works and know how to, uh, flesh out these ideas and, and, you know, prove our models and things like that. We do stuff all the time. And so now our, our, our latest thing is, um, something called fans text, which is, uh, a very similar, if you're familiar with platforms like Patreon or buy me coffee, or even like, yep. I think a sprinkle of only fans, kind of yeah. all melt together. So we're not reinventing anything in that regard. We're, we're basically creating a cool crowdfunding sort of tool. Um, but we're adding in some elements where in my specialty, I come from the mobile background, mobile billing and SMS space. That's sort of my years and years of background. So we're integrating more of a mobile friendly uh, features and elements to it. So it's, it's similar to these products, just a little few more fun bells and whistles. Um, and it's such a huge market still that, you know, there's, there's still room for companies like this or products like this, I should say, to kind of work its way around. So we're, we're doing that right now. It's, it's, uh, we're in version one, it's doing well. Um, I, with everything I do, I kind of will eventually pivot that more into the adult side of things. Um, because that's sort of always going to be my low hanging fruit at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, so that's sort of the long answer to your question. You know, we're, we're coming up with cool shit all the time. 
Yeah. And I'm a big fan of like options for content creators because like, I mean, there's only fans, of course, as you mentioned, which is huge and, and everyone uses it. But, um, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. Like with any company, with them, yeah. with any company, things change. You know, there's there's some people who think they're going to go more towards the mainstream celebrities because they make a lot of money from that. Mm -hmm. Or there's others who think they might, you know, disallow certain types of content because it, it, things change over time. And having... I'm always interested in the health of the industry as a whole because I want all of us to have jobs and have a place. Like once you get into adult, it's I don't want to work anywhere else. Like oh, if I have a, if, totally, you know, you know, show up in a mainstream nine to five or something like that. At this yeah. point, um, that's not anything I ever want to do. So I want this industry to be healthy and for people to have business opportunities, like regardless of if they're at the top or if they're just kind of a, um, you know, it's getting started. Yeah, which yeah, is actually needs to be a place for everybody. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the industry needs to be healthy, and the more uh, platforms content creators have. Um, the, the better chance of that, that health being maintained. If you rely too much on just any one company and then things go bad with that company or they just have a change of direction, you know, things go great for them, but they change direction, um, you know, and then leave everybody in the, in the dust. That's not a good thing. So I, yeah. I like, I mean, we, we've seen that happen a million times. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. And yeah, I, I, I'm in full agreement, you know, though it's constantly been, which is what I like about the sort of uh, dynamic between Martin and myself. You know, I, I, I've got, you know, like, like I said, I've got, I've got this sort of established thing in the adult space and he's, he's a little less uh, involved in that side of things. And we are able to kind of step back and, you know, we, we find holes and we try to fill them for lack of a better term. Uh, you know, and I did, I, just like you said, I looked at sort of the needs of the industry that I know and love. Um, and I also kind of tried to step back and look at it as like, what's, what's something I could even use? You know, I'm a content creator now, like I'm, whether it's a TV show or my, my little YouTube channel, like that's kind of where I always start. And then it can, now how can I take this to my people? and see if it'll work or see if it'll help or whatever, you know, and that's constant. And like I said, eight out of 10 times, you know, uh, it, 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 it hits in the shitter, but, um, these two or three times we we've come up all right. And it's been nice. It's, 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 um, it's fun to do. It affords me time to do other things, whether it's, uh, in business, a little side gigs I'm working on and, and, and life and hobbies. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of the long roundabout answer for what NMS Productions is and what I do, I guess. It's it's mostly fun. Gotcha. It, one of the things we try to do on this show is for, for people listening to me who maybe don't have a track record yet of success in adult or just thinking about getting into it, um, maybe they have an, a, a, an online marketing background or something, but they haven't really done adult. Mm -hmm. They haven't really made a lot of money in adult. So let me ask you this scenario. If you were stripped of your, your current job mm -hmm. um, and, and basically all your connections and given like, here's a computer, here's an internet connection, here's a couple hundred bucks, you got to start over, but you got to do it in adult. Um, what would you, how would you go about that? What would you, where, where do you think you would focus first? Man, you know, uh, I'm going to, uh, I, I believe this is meant to be a simple answer, but I don't, my, my answer may not be as simple. I, you know, a big part of me, what I've learned now, I'd like to be able to ha afford the time to go back and learn, um, you know, actually sit in with some of the companies in our, in our industry that, um, 
have done it right for so long and still kind of carry on doing it well. Um, back then it would have been nice to, you know, intern at places like this or just kind of get in there and see what they do. It's something I'm doing now with the sort of business that I've had with, with new media services. But I'll tell you what I think the answer is, uh, for me, it would be on the service side and I'll explain what I mean. I, I believe that, you know, the analogy is this back in the days of the gold rush, um, you know, some think that the guys who were mining for gold were the ones making all the money. But in reality, the guys who were bringing him there and the hotels and the trains and the people around, you know, who, who helped who helped them get there are probably the ones who are making the most money. And so I kind of look at it from that perspective. I want to be on the service side. I want to be able to instead of be the guy digging for gold and picking this one little business that I think is going to work. I want to help all those guys who are digging for gold. You know, and I guess at the end of the day, that, that that's again a sort of a dumbed down version of outsourcing. But the service side of things would be my first choice, always and forever. So the, we used to have this guy back in the uh, the gold rush days who who ran our um, boards at why not dot uh, com. Who he, his name was Con. Old timers will remember him. I think it was a little bit before your time. Um, and he used to say he used to have. I remember his tagline in his uh, in his posts. Something to the effect of, um, I can't remember the exact, but the, the sentiment was instead of mining for gold, sell the picks and the axes to, the, uh, to the miners. That's, right? that's what I was trying to say. Something like <laughs> it, that. Yeah. It, yeah. It, and so uh, that's what you're saying really made me think of that. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so these days, because there has been a lot that's changed and I think we've got these social media platforms that that are have just grown so large, meaning Facebook, meaning Twitter, TikTok. Uh, they suck up a lot of the attention for people. Like people are spending all their day, like I do. And I wake up in the morning, I check uh, Twitter. It's like, you know, um, you know, hey, got some cool reactions there, whatever. You know, maybe people go over to, I, I'm not as big on Facebook, but a lot of people hang out on Facebook and talk all day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you're on these platforms, you're not out exploring the internet. So I guess the question is, with so many people on these big social media platforms that themselves are not, with Twitter, maybe the exception are not very friendly to the adult industry. Yeah. Um, where's the traffic at these days? So the adult businesses, you're running a business with or without, you know, you can have a budget in this scenario and you're like, I need to go find some traffic. We're, we're launching a new service. We want to draw attention to it. Uh, we're looking for consumers here in this scenario, uh, not other businesses. So like where, where, where would you even go? Cause you can't go to Facebook. Well, you can try to use Facebook yeah. in sneaky ways, but you can't directly do it. Um, you can't direct, even though Twitter will allow adult content posts organic, you can't buy traffic for adult services on Twitter mm-hmm. or TikTok or any of these services. Google ads is a different beast now too. So where would you go to get traffic if you were in that situation? Yeah, that's a, it's a good question. So where I look, so I'll tell you something interesting. I'm, I being on the side of the business that I've been on for so many years, uh, uh, I've been able, I've been privy to a lot of information and knowledge about what a lot of companies are doing. And, you know, because it directly, you know, we work with 10 to 15 different adult companies. Um, some of them are competitors of each other. Some of them are, you know, completely different verticals. Uh, but everything they do in business directly relates to what we do for them and vice versa. And so what I learned um, is the smart ones who are digging up traffic are focusing on behavior. So as just as a bad example, we know that um, 
the behavior of a of an online gambler is not you know if you kind of look and what I mean by behavior is you know their online activity the you know the compulsiveness and the you know the willingness to spend money on stupid shit or whatever. Um, you look at these behavioral patterns in as much deep data as you can dig up and you use that um, and direct it towards your own adult product or whatever. And more often than not, in especially now, um, is what you're seeing. So it's not as obvious as, well, if I have a dating product, I'm just going to go buy some dating traffic. It, it's not that direct anymore. You know, finally, we're starting to collect so much information that we can use it and process it and make good decisions and find out, okay, it wasn't as straight up and black and white as I thought. I actually got to focus on these things. So whether it's online gambling, whether it's, I'm not even sure uh, off the top of my head, but surprising places, you know, um, I know that gambling was just one example that we've seen work with a lot of the clients we deal with. I guess that's the answer. You know, you start to look for where those similar behavior patterns are and that traffic more often than not will work for whatever that is you're doing, you know, gaming is exactly the same in terms of online gaming, video games, VR, a lot of that stuff has commonalities. And so I think if you're looking even in mainstream wellness, uh, you know, so, so are, are you talking about, just to be clear here, are you yeah. talking about like purchasing traffic from say like a traffic network or a broker and then optimizing it? Or are you talking about going out to like destination sites directly that may have traffic and working individual deals with those sites or, or that's an excellent question. Yeah. That I'm, I'm glad you said that. So it's, it's actually a lot of both now. Uh, if you'd asked me this question, maybe a year and a half, two years ago, I would have gone with the, the earlier, just hit up some networks. You know, those guys have their bubble of 500 publishers. We'll go that route and, and call it a day and optimize and do all the shit you're supposed to do. But these direct deals now where you go out to one source and you, like you mentioned, you sort of negotiate these sort of things again. And I think this is a lot to do with the pandemic forcing us to be a little bit more creative and, and thinking outside of what we've always been doing in terms of media buying. Um, you're, I'm noticing it more now. I can't speak for the industry, but where I sit in my chair, I get to see a lot of what the industry is doing, uh, you know, with, with a lot of these different companies. And that is definitely something you're seeing more of right now. Okay. Which is cool. Yeah, I love that stuff. It's interesting. And, and with the same kind of thought of, of, of kind of helping educate people who don't really know a lot about adult, what's – give me like a common myth about the adult business that, that, that you think people commonly have and then can you debunk it? I mean, the first thing that comes to mind and maybe it's not so much – directly related to business. But, you know, when, when people hear that we are in the adult business, whether it's, you know, the digital media side or in front of the camera, uh, 99.9% .9 of them assume we're, you know, kind of scummy, weird people who aren't professional, who don't know how to speak the language of business or technology. Um, which I would, I mean, I think you could agree that, that it's completely the opposite. And that, that's one thing that is a myth I have debunked, you know, on multiple occasions in, in, in certain settings where people were very surprised to see that not only are we professional, but we can talk the talk and walk the walk better than some of those guys in the non-adult side of things, you know? Um, so yeah, that would be the first thing I think of. We, we definitely um, experience that because we put on live events and shows yeah. and when we have to deal with a venue and we tell them, you know, obviously the first thing you want a venue to know is what they're dealing with. So they don't like, you know, you run into problems later and thoughts get into their head, like, like clearly thoughts get in their head. Yeah. When when the the adult business crowd shows up anywhere, though, and I always get comments about how 
unexpected the crowd surprised yeah it was just it was so tame you know they were just like you know chilling and talking business and so yeah it's it's 100 percent man yeah so outside of the okay so the big adult verticals that kind of people kind of know are 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 a good place for potentially making money if you do it right or like Mm -hmm. live cams of course and dating you mentioned dating um a lot of people made a lot of money with those verticals um i'm trying to look at beyond those verticals because like i said i think we should have a a wide net on the ways um on the ways we make money too. It's a, it's a healthier industry. Yeah, yeah. Are there um, other potential verticals that you're looking at, whether that's like video games or whatever, that you're saying, you know what, here's an interesting area. And if I was going to spend some time maybe promoting adult verticals, I'd look at look at these two. You know, so yeah. Uh, well, I, I, I guess I, I can speak only for myself and what I'm doing right now. Um, and how I've sort of done my due diligence to, to decide this, um, what I, I'm looking into the health and wellness side of things and not so much the directly obvious things like, you know, erectile dysfunction or CBD or whatever. There's a, a pretty wide range of, I guess, solutions in health and wellness. And what I like about it now and what I've, a few of the companies I've been dealing with, um, as I start to dip my toes in that area is that they are, the really good companies are doing a good job of, of establishing credibility in the sense that not only do they, you know, make these claims that their products are awesome and here's why and here's why, but more like they have actual doctors now working with them, like a full, you know, there's one company um, I won't mention now, but they do everything with the support of a full on doctor team um, and they actually collect a database of doctors from every state because they all kind of have different working regulations and conditions state to state. And they're using these doctors to inform and build credibility and brand strength. And um, it's not just one or two doctors who are the face of the company. It's, you know, 50, 60 doctors. And uh, when you have that kind of as sort of your support system to help build your brand, I don't think it can get much better, at least for me in in this particular vertical that I'm really liking right now. Um, when you get to that point, you know, it sells itself, you know, and you've got real people on deck who can answer hard questions, medical questions, and they've got a PhD to back it. Yeah. When you think how hard it is for companies to get attention and um, and and get in front of eyeballs these days, uh, main, talking mainstream companies, right? The mm-hmm. Internet is so everyone's all over the place. We're so divided and you're trying to get in the eyeballs. It's not easy. You got to be everywhere. You have to have campaigns over here and on social media and organic and SEO. And it's 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 a grind. And here's adult with all this traffic and eyeballs, right? Especially when you think of some of the popular tube sites and how yeah. much <laughs> how much traffic they get. And a lot of mainstream companies just won't touch advertising in the space for like whatever reason. Yeah. And I know you said not erectile dysfunction, but there's these, these services like, um, God, what's that one? Roman or something like yeah, that. It's you, know, now, Roman. you can get yeah. generic Viagra and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You couldn't even get before you can get it through prescription through a, through a, um, online consultation. Yeah. You don't got to go into any place. When you see that kind of stuff, you're just like, God damn. It's like, you guys could be getting so much, um, They're missing benefit the boat. Yeah. by working with adult and adult really could use, like we could use other ways to monetize because it's you can't just monetize video easily like you used to adult right. videos. But if we can pull people in with adult videos and monetize them through other offers, whether it's generic bag or whatnot, and if more mainstream companies, you know, worked with us, yeah, I, for whatever reason, they're all so. Gosh, they're just a bunch of chickens. You, you know, know, it's like it's it's a funny thing too, and I, I always, you know. Uh, 
I was thinking about this beforehand because I knew our conversation in my case specifically, I don't live 100% in the adult space. You know, I, I, it's not so black and white anymore. And in general, not just in my world, but it's, there's a lot of shades of gray kind of now where we're all kind of trickling in with each other from mainstream and adult. And I used to kind of feel the need to, when I do certain interviews or, or things like this, to sort of give the disclaimer that, um, you know, I'm personally not one of these guys that can only have a conversation in this particular vertical or this particular industry. Um, I have the benefit of being able to kind of dabble in both. And that is a big, you're seeing that happen on a broader scale. There are those companies, like you mentioned, who just don't want to touch it. But what I like on top of that is it's more, more now than ever, it's, it's becoming less, the conversation for mainstream and adult are starting to melt together a little bit. Um, more so where adult is trying to make its way into mainstream and less where mainstream is trying to make its way into adult, but it's still happening. Um, you know, but yeah, these big companies, the reason you might see like a Roman or some of those guys who are building a really big brand is, and probably, probably I think one of the big reasons they don't want to touch adult is because they make all their money on social media. They don't want to have that association, you know, and that's, that's the battle you need to choose a lot of times, uh, with whatever vertical, whether you're an adult, whether you're in mainstream and, and you got to say, okay, well, if my bread and butter is on social media, then I got to keep as much of what I'm building as clean, clean for lack of a better term, um, to the public eye, at least clean. And, um, then you've got this company, like I mentioned, who are doing the exact same thing more or less as, you know, a Roman they're, they're getting to a little bit more interesting stuff, but at the end of the day, they think they can stand a chance of building a business just as big, if not bigger than a Roman or him, I think is the other company and not have to rely on social media because they've built, you know, they've built a strong platform and, and a credible platform. And they think they can, they can get by on just that, you know, some decent marketing and social media comes and goes, you know what I mean? So it's, it's interesting. There's, you got to pick your battles there, but it's getting easier now, I think, or right, different so at least. And in the category of, I guess, trying to avoid missteps and the whole adult journey, yeah. uh, when you when you think of your own adult journey and like from start to uh, to where you're at right now, is there is there any like one mistake or misstep that you that you made that you'd love to just go back and erase, or if you knew then what you know now that you would have done different um, with the idea of maybe passing this wisdom on to people who 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 might avoid said yeah. same mistake. It's a good question. Uh, so knowing what I know now, now, like I said before, I, I have a background that um, kind of lives mostly in the mobile environment, right? So I was really strongly focused on mobile billing and building mobile optimized products so that, you know, the world was becoming a touchscreen world and um, things needed to accommodate that as we as we evolved in technology and, and, and content and things like that. Um, so what I, you know, if, if it's a question of, uh, if I took what I know now and could go back and, and, and sort of fix a few things, yeah, it would have been to not underestimate our abilities in the sense that in technology, you know, what we were setting, what do you call it? Like milestones or targets as a business, like, okay, in three years, we're going to do this in 10 years, we're going to do that. But technology and the industry in general, adult slash technology slash my specific field of expertise in the mobile space Every, every three-year target we set ended up blowing it 
out of the water within the first year. We got there way earlier than I expected. I thought we had more time to figure shit out. And at the end of the day, um, this business that we work in, the adult side, man, they move fast and they do a fucking great job at it. And uh, I underestimated our ability to evolve where I think had I taken bigger risks in that regard, you know, there's a lot of things I think myself included, a lot of us would would still be able to kind of sit on top of where a lot of things passed us by. Yeah. You know? yeah. Now I, I think what I'm hearing from you is, and when I think of my own experience, like with why not, for example, and, and we've had to evolve many times over the years. And I mean, when I think one of the big points was 2008, we had a financial crisis and we had a, a business that was built around a certain audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were a lot of, this was at that time, there were all these, these, um, um, subscription pay sites that ran affiliate programs yeah. and they were the bread and butter of the industry. Like it was silver cash, top bucks, um, these kinds of guys, CE cash. Um, they had pay sites, people mm-hmm. with in the prime draw for these pay sites was getting access to adult videos. Yep. There was no Pornhub. Mm-hmm. There was no, or if there were any tube sites, they were small and unknown. And so that's where, that's where most of the money was happening. Yeah. Um, then tube sites changed that the, and the industry changed and we had to change accordingly. We made a shift towards interactive content that you can easily pirate because there was also piracy. Oh, uh, big right? time. In, big addition, time yeah. in addition to the tubes, just giving stuff away, there was piracy problems. So we, uh, we made it a shift towards interactive. Um, we started launching products for content creators, cams, um, you know, obviously dating's interactive, things that you can't sort of pirate. Um, and then over the course of the years, we had other moments where we had to just sort of evolve with, with the times. I think what you're saying is sometimes these moments where you have to evolve come and you got to react to them fast and don't be so, don't be so in love with, no, we're, we're this, that you don't, you fail to take that moment to, to, you can always change. You can always yeah. move to, you know, along with the, the currents of the industry. Absolutely. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's, that's a great way to put it. And yeah, I think that's exactly what it is, you know, to go back and say, simply don't get too comfortable and, and don't, you know, and, and guess what, you know, this business moves at a pace like you wouldn't believe. And sometimes it's because of that fact that I kind of lived in this little happy place that I kind of let shit go right there, right by me. And I said, Oh, well, you know, we'll build this in three years or we're going to hit this much money in three years because this is what we're building and what we're doing with it. And blah, 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 blah. And zoop, passed by me, you know, eight months later, I was like, fuck dude. <laughs> yeah. And this it is actually, this is actually a good segue because um, the the next thing I wanted to ask you about really is one of those areas where I guess there's not any change yet, um, but there's the potential for very fast change. And that's with the platforms that are offering um, user-generated content services. So yeah. like back to an OnlyFans, you know, um, or any site like this, I don't mean to pick on them, but they're so big. We, uh, we, yeah. we you know, they name drop them. Um, any site that lets the users generate the content, post their own content, and all the sites really doing at that point is providing a platform and some billing services and whatnot for the content creators. You know, they've, they've come under fire. We've had what I would kind of consider to be these rather hysterical um, reporting from like the New York Times. And, oh, my God, yeah, it's great. Crazy stuff's going on over there. And, you know, I think it's been very unfair, like what's been targeted at these companies. And, you know, I've got we all have like when it comes to the tubes, we have a love hate relationship with them. But over the years. 
They've really evolved their business model from what it was in the early days. Yeah. And they're clearly making efforts because they got a lot to lose and they're trying to they're trying to 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 respond to, you know, to societal pressures, but they're still getting these like New York Times columnists uh, uh, targeting them with um, with like, oh, my God, there's there, there might be unconsensual uh, content on these mm-hmm. on these platforms or worse. The big fear is somebody's not 18 and they upload content themselves. Yeah. You didn't even know about it. Um, you know, there's there's there was a BBC report where the BBC reporters worked with somebody underage specifically to try to get past I think it was OnlyFans mm-hmm. um, age verification. So they failed the first time by uploading fake IDs and they kept coming at it from different Whoa. angles. Finally found a way to get in and then wrote a big piece going, hey, we got past, you know, it could be, you know, blah, 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 yeah. which is just shitty in my opinion. It's it like is. here you, you clearly OnlyFans is trying to stop this from happening. They caught you a couple times and you just kept coming at them yeah. from other angles so you can write your big expose. Uh, so you see all this going on and and now I'm wondering – What's that going to mean for the industry? So do you think this the whole user generated platforms are huge right now? They're very important to the industry. They provide content creators with a, uh, basically an opportunity to be their own boss. They can make the content they're comfortable making. They can monetize it. Um, they do their own marketing. They're investing in themselves. And that is, I think, a tremendously positive thing for our sex workers, for content creators and for the industry as, right. as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, now, given that we're getting this pressure on, yeah, but what happens if somebody sneaks through and they're really only 16 and you thought they were 20 and they sent a fake ID or how are you verifying this? Or, hey, somebody uploaded some content and the uh, the people in that content didn't have didn't give consent to be in it and it didn't get taken down for two weeks. And now this person's, you know, um, traumatized. These are the kinds of concerns that I think co- these platforms are having to deal with. How do you think that's going to shake out? Do you think they, they're going to figure it out or do you think we're going to have to make another adjustment to how, how business is done? I, 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 it's, that's, man, it's, it's a neat, it's, it's a, a neat one, conversation. Yeah. yeah. It's a tough one because I'll tell you why the, I, my instant answer when I started hearing about all this stuff happening and, you know, I've got close relationships with a lot of these guys and, and some of the companies we mentioned. And so I, I got a little bit, you know, you hear what you hear on the news and then you hear a little bit of the scoop from the inside. And, you know, my first initial thought is, oh, shit. Yeah, I think we're, you know, in trouble. This this sort of UGC stuff is is uh, is taking a hit. And at one point, you know, people were saying this is everything. This is the business, you know, in so many ways. And. I'll tell you what, it's a two part answer because it can go one of two ways. If it's anything like the, like the experiences I've had, you know, in, in my, in my world of mobile, especially when there was a period where it was literally everything, people were using their devices to consume porn, um, at an insanely higher rate, uh, than they were using their laptops or the computers. And they were paying for that stuff through their devices as well, using some sort of mobile billing solution. It became, the numbers were blowing desktop and laptops out of the water, it had to eventually come to a point where because of because of how well it was doing, it had to get regulated. Okay. And so just like user-generated content, what I think will happen, you know, and it was it was the downfall of sort of our little mobile wild west that was happening. Let me mention that, you know, it got so regulated. Um, because of so many of these same issues, you know, kids underage paying and watching shit on a phone that they shouldn't be watching, whatever. This process or this sort of experience that 
the user generated plat user generated content platforms are experiencing might not be that different. You know, they're either going to have to get heavily regulated because it's becoming it's coming more to the forefront now that there are certain imperfections in the business model. Um where hopefully they can get, you know, they can juggle that regulation and it doesn't impact their business too much. Or there's the other thing, which is what I love about this business is they somehow it's a Phoenix, right? Like these, some of these companies fucking come out of the ashes, man. They've been beaten to a pulp. They shouldn't work. They shouldn't be around anymore. And somehow, you know, they, they come back because they came up with, you know, a new way, a new thing, a better way or a different way. And those are the two things that I think we're, we're going to, we're going to start to watch unfolding soon. It's either going to be an evolution for what UGC is and will be, or it's going to get so heavily reg- regulated that, I mean, I don't, you know, I think to say if it's in trouble is, is subjective. It might work for some people, but then maybe yeah, not for I, others. I'm, I'm, when it comes to like powerful people conspiring and stuff, I'm a bit of a conspiracy theorist in that regard. Like I'm not like a Bigfoot guy or anything like that. But when it comes to sort of governments pulling shit and, 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 and media pulling shit. So what I see with, I've seen this happen in the adult industry over the years. Um, it just feels like, sort of coordinated campaigns get launched and it's not necessarily readily apparent what's happening. So from the general public's point of view, Christoph at the New York Times writes this, um, you know, this, this, this post and then Visa, you know, or MasterCard says, oh, we saw this post and we're reacting to that. Yeah. And it looks like one thing's just sort of happening and causing another. But really, it might be something more along the lines of politicians are getting ready to like maybe they want to tackle Section 230. Right. Maybe they want to like get some other regulations going. Maybe like the British government seems really interested in trying to get this database of like for age verification. Yeah. That's how they're using it. Database of who's going where. So there's some agenda. Somebody somewhere wants to do something. So they hit up their buddy at the New York. Hey, yeah. can you like blah, blah. And they do this coordinated campaign. And it's designed to pull public opinion in one way or another which then justifies whatever actions they're going to take, like from a, a government point of view or uh, yeah. you know, whatever enforcement point of view, whatever it is that they really want to do. This feels like that. This feels like there's something going on. They got a, a goal and they're hitting up their buddies um, at the New York Times, at the different media outlets, at the BBC. Yeah. And they're working towards some goal. And maybe it's just Section 230 changes. I don't know. It, um, I don't think you're I, – I, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I think you're right. It does sort of feel that way. Um, and if, if you know, for me, it's a funny thing. I'm, I'm sort of eternally the optimist. I always kind of step back. And I'm, I've been lucky. These last few years uh, where, where I've been working, I've gotten a half-decent bird's eye view of what a lot of the industry is doing and a lot of the different businesses. Um, the optimistic side of me sees that every time something shitty happens, like, and I mean really shitty, like what's going on now with these guys, somehow, man, we pop right back with something cooler and better. Like, I feel like, yeah, it sucks. I'm sorry for the people who are going to have to deal with this for a little bit. But I've seen amazing things come from a lot of the shit you know, we've gone through in the industry for, for years and I, I can't help but feel or hope that that's exactly what this is going to be. Something amazing is going to come from this. Yeah, no doubt. We always, we always come, come out okay at the yeah. end. It just it oh, causes absolutely. disruption for a while. And yeah. then whatever, whatever 
whatever is is gotten into these guys' tea or their Wheaties or whatever you want to say, whatever they're, they're they always move on to other things, and you know, and then we have a chance to sort of um, recover and, and recoup. Um, and and you know, people are interested in what our industry does, and and that's not going to change. It's just it's just one of those things to watch. It could be an area I, exactly. to, to go back to what you were saying. If there is an area of rapid evolution, and you know, embrace it. Don't fight it. Don't go. You know, my first trade show was a combination of internet people and phone sex people. Yeah. And phone sex had been big, and the internet showed up, and it was eating their lunch, right, we were kicking right, their ass, right? right? Yeah. And this was like 1998, you know, with yeah. this trade show. And the phone sex people, some of the companies embraced the internet and launched big websites and made enough money to buy countries. And like Cyberotic was one of them. Yeah. Maximum Cash. These guys came from a phone sex background. They saw the new technology. They jumped on board. They had the resources and the industry know-how, so they had an advantage over upstart webmasters yeah. such as myself, and they made bank. Then there were the guys who were off in the corner with their beer looking at us like those fucking internet motherfuckers because they had a business and all of a sudden it's being disrupted and those guys disappeared and probably went on i I like to think went on to shitty lives and um you know and (laughs) and they're somewhere better right now yeah i bet on it so so i'm just this is just an area of i don't think it'll at the end of the day of course the industry is going to be here it's just a matter of if you need to adapt then do it and pay attention to this area is is all i would say fuck yeah i mean adapt i think that's the sort of the underlying key term of the adult industry is adaptation man they got that they got that fucking down pat you know it's what it's what we do absolutely Um, by the way, are you planning to make it out to a European summit in Prague in September? Have you, have you, have you, are you comfortable with travel yet? Or are you still kind of holding on? What's your, what's uh, your thoughts on? Oh, so I, yeah, I want to, um, I am. So the only thing now is I was kind of, so I'm not, let me, let me start by saying I haven't been vaccinated yet and not for any reason other than I just haven't been bothered to go out and do it. I'm not against it or opposed it by any means. I was kind of waiting to see if they were going to say, well, you have to get vaccinated to get on this plane, to go to that country. And when that day comes, then yeah, I'll, I'll do it. I want to, I want to get back to work. I want to go to these shows again. They were, they were the most important part of my year in terms of business and finance and growth were these shows. So, um, there's a need for me to be there in my opinion. So yeah, uh, my plan is to be there in some way, whether it has to be online or if I can be there physically and, uh, they want me to get every vaccination under the sun. I'll do it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, we're really looking forward to that. I've been saying this on this show for a long, long time. It's it sort of, you know, in addition to getting a lot of business done, there's also this, this, you know, you go out, especially when you're working an adult, you get around people who get it, who also work an adult and all that pretentiousness, all the bullshit, all the, the careful stepping that you have to do in the mainstream world, you know, where pe- it feels like. The longer you're in adult and realize just how not a problem adult is, and then you have to deal with some mainstream person who's like, ah, freaking yeah, yeah, out, yeah. adult. It's like you start to lose patience for it. You get around your people, you get around your family, and it's like, ah, it's like it's a, uh, you know, it's like candy for the soul. It's like this is relaxing. It's fun. You can just actually say what's on your mind, talk with people. Yeah. So, so we're we're big on that, and we're looking forward to Prague in particular because it's a. Uh, you know, obviously, we're keeping an eye out for any variants or any issues that might cause that sure. might a monkey wrench. But it's um, 
it's a great show and, and Andreas and Walter have done a tremendous job growing it. I feel terrible for them having to deal with COVID in the last yeah. year after they were yeah. just reaching newer and newer peaks all the time with that show and you get it derailed for a while. Um, but I know they're going to land on their feet because those guys talk about adapters and people who kind of watch what's going on in the industry and follow the current trends. Um, they're experts at that yeah. and, uh, and they're, they're, going to put on a good show. So hopefully, I don't know if we'll see each other there or how this is all going to shake I mean, down. I, if, it, if I can be there, I will be there. I mean, as far as, I mean, getting on a plane and going, I do it in a heartbeat. So nothing's, aside from, if, I don't know if they're just going to, you know, if it's how how it's, I don't know what happens in Prague yet, if, you know, in terms of travel and, and regulations with all that shit going on. But uh, yeah, my I have every intention of being there if it's possible. Absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. And is there anything so far that like I have not asked you, maybe I didn't think to ask you that I probably should have asked you uh, anything that that you're thinking? You know, uh, this, uh, that you should have asked me. No, this was a great chat. Um, no, you know, the, the tough thing is, is, and, and I, like I said, I, I, on and off, I've done little interviews and things like this where they're, you know, they're either really focused on me or my business. And I've learned that I can, I can spend an entire hour just talking about me and my business and more. Right. Um, I like that we didn't get too deep in that. I mean, I feel like I left a million things out, but I don't care. I'm not. I'm not trying to sell myself right now. But yeah, I'm. I'm I. Uh, I don't think we left anything out. I actually kind of like that we we stayed outside of what you know what's what's Joey doing? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So and, no, it's good. And with respect to your business for people who do want to learn more, maybe, you know, kind of fill in some of those gaps. Um, where would you, where would you tell people to, to go? Uh, so we've got you know, the bigger operation, which is new media services.com.au. And that's sort of where you'll see our menu of, of amazing things that this company can do. Um, with what I'm directly working on right now, uh, we have the website nmsproductions.com. Um, you can check out our new product. It's called Fans Text, and it's spelled T X T. Fans T X T. Um, we're in uh, early stages of it, but it's 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 a working business right now, and uh, that's right now my my baby. Uh, getting Fans Text off the ground, onboarding more of uh, these sort of uh, content creators and influencers to actually use it, so that we can actually see this thing do what I want it to do. Um, but yeah, uh, th that's about it. Um, I know right now I've been having conversations with um, some of the adult industry guys who are who are running their own little influencer operations, you know, adult influencers and that kind of thing. And uh, this product is perfect for a lot of those types, especially um, a big part of my focus in the last few years has been how to find better ways, cooler ways for like cam girls and certain people to be able to engage more with their, with their audience, whether it be through text messaging or, or doing something like a fan's text where we can, you know, we can record reward our audience for supporting them, crowdfunding, that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, that's sort of the area I'm living in right now and trying to find ways to make it work and refine it so that uh, our industry can benefit from it more and more. Good stuff. And I'll just like for a last word here, uh, crystal ball, uh, you're looking at the rest of 2021 into 2022. Uh, what do you see on the horizon for, for the adult industry? If you had to, had to lay down some predictions. I'll tell you what, dude. And this again, um, I keep saying this, but, uh, I'm kind of one of the lucky ones that I get to kind of get an overview of what a lot of the people in our industry is doing. Um, and I've been lucky enough to have been asked to sort of help, uh, navigate 
that, uh, you know, going to 20, 2022 and what they plan to do. I'll tell you what I see happening and it may happen in 2022, but it will take a few years to really flourish. But, be, and it's because of the pandemic, by the way. So I think the pandemic sort of right before the pandemic, we were seeing a lot of things, you know, cam and dating was really starting to not starting. It was blowing up. It was doing really well and finding these new ways to engage, um, online without having having to be in the same room together then the pandemic happened and that kicked that shit into overdrive right so zoom everything zoom everything's online facetime you name it but what it did is it sort of planted seeds it built a audience of people who are now more than ever comfortable engaging like this um whereas i think before you know I, as great of an idea as cam and all that stuff is there were still those people who sit back and go i just don't see how i can enjoy talking to somebody on a camera or watching somebody like that seems weird where now it doesn't now it's completely fucking normal. Um, so 2022, I think we're going to see a, the beginning of an explosion of, and, and I think it's going to be for the younger audiences who are probably dealing with this zoom life more than, than a lot of us older guys are. Um, I think engaging online, whatever that form is, presents itself as I think is going to be fucking huge, bigger than ever. Yeah. And just to back that up, I'll say it's like, I have a, a you know, a son who's, uh, who's of the younger generations and I've watched him kind of grow up and, and, and people around his, his, uh, his circles and whatnot. And man, younger generations, they're very, like, they're very built for that online world. If yeah, you know man. I mean. That's how they oh. socialize. That's how they like during the whole pandemic, you know, he'll hang out in his room and, and, um, you know, I mean, he's college age now, but he'd like, he'd, he'd like, you know, come back from college, go into his room and just like zoom chat with yeah. people or he's on, tw um, Twitch or he's on, um, shit. What was the, the other stuff? Anyway, they'll just hang out right, and, right. And, 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 um, and, and, uh, and, and watch movies together online or, I mean, they're just, that's just their world. They're comfortable with that. In fact, they get a little weird when you get out into the real world Dude. and you throw a bunch of them together and I like, know. Hey, hang out. And then they don't know what to fucking do. You know, it's <laughs> so it's a funny thing. I'm noticing more now, especially with, with, I have, I have three very young kids. Um, and then I have friends who are, you know, kids sort of in their teens and that kind of thing. And one of the first, it just kind of occurred to me not that long ago. So when, when we use a telephone or a mobile phone to talk to people, we, we simply dial the phone number and hold the phone to our ears and talk. That's right. That's normal. Today, all I see the, is that the FaceTime call is becoming that. Whereas for me, FaceTime was like an extra special thing. You know, I'll, I'll talk to you face to face if it's, you know, like what we're doing here. Um, or if it's, I, I want to see my mother who lives in California and we miss looking at each other's face for a minute. Otherwise I'm making phone calls only where my kids only make FaceTime calls. They only speak that way. Now that dialing the phone to holding it up to your ear is not an option. Right. Um, and that is, it blows me away. Like when I say, Hey, call this person, they FaceTime the person. It's just, they don't think to dial the phone number and just call them like we normally would. Right. And that little weird, as small as that is, I think that's the seed being planted, right? We're only getting more and more to that point where the only way I'm going to communicate with you is this way, whether it's, you know, FaceTime or whatever it is. If it, it, we just don't listen to each other's voice anymore, we need to always be looking at something. Always. Yeah, and, and by the way, the other side of that, the flip side of that, which maybe ties in with your your company's offering is um, like I got a you know, I started getting these texts from my my son 
um, was over with his mom at the moment. I get a text and it's an audio text, right? Yeah, so like yeah, he yeah. was playing a video game <laughs> and he wanted to tell me some shit he was going through, right? Yep. Like Resident Evil 8, I think he was playing. And, you know, I'd like get this thing, what the fuck? Because, you know, I didn't like send us like an yeah. audio. It's like play and he's like, he's like over there. Fucking, I was going through this area and this goddamn zombie comes out. Like, yeah. So he gives me like a little thing. But he doesn't want to call me because if he calls me, then he got to get then engaged get, in a conversation. A conversation, with me, yeah. Right? Now, now you're stuck talking to dad, right? So it's easier just to send me a text, oh, an audio hilarious. text, yeah. and then his shit comes up. And at first I was like, motherfucker doesn't want to call. And then I started thinking, you know what? He's onto something here. So like I start sending him some audios back when I don't want to fucking have oh, a conversation. Yeah. You know, I'm busy and send him something back. And, and so in addition to these face to face, uh, FaceTime, like detailed, like um, video chats, there's the other side of it, which right. is all these conversational threads that are happening where you sort of get an input in that thread and you go about your life, you do other shit, then you come back and there's another, okay, cool, you respond to that, you go about your life. You know, that's, I mean, maybe that's something you guys are addressing with, with your. That's you know, super interesting. Yeah, you're right. I mean, that's a funny thing. You, you get to have a converse, a conversation at, the pace of your choosing, right? Like that's actually a neat way. And maybe, yeah, maybe something in there with what we're doing that actually kind of, it lives in the same world. Um, yeah, that kind of whole thing blows me away. I watch, I watch my kids with everything right now. And then as well as friends who have kids that are younger and th this is it. Like I, that's, you know, you just need to sit back and, and observe the craziness and you go, fuck, this is what it's going to be. Like, this is just the beginning. You know, you get that pleasure ding in your brain, you know, and, and they've talked about this on social media. You get a like, you get a whatever, you yeah, there's like dude. the little notification comes up, there's that little <laughs> fucking endorphin hit. Yep. And so now if you're talking about content creators, let's say you found somebody that in real life, you'd never be able to get this person's attention. Yeah. Now this person is every once in a while, it's not happening all the time. It's not like a live conversation, but you look at your fucking phone and you got a text from him or her, you've got a fucking sexy picture. Yeah. You've got some little interaction and every night, so you're checking your phone and fuck, I got, you know, that's a valuable service at Bro, the end of the day. That's, for, that's validation. Yeah. Man. Yeah. That's, and with the person you find most attractive exactly. because you found that person, you're interested in them. And um, yeah, it's just yet another place that we can go. Hey man, really enjoyed this conversation. You're Likewise. always somebody that I love to talk, talk to. So, Thank you so uh, much. Yeah, thank you for being on the show. Um, hopefully, we'll. I, hey, I'm, I'm sure I'll see you online at Why Not Summit in a, in a few weeks. And really looking forward to next time we get to sit face to face yeah. and have a beer. And maybe you'll maybe you'll be playing. I love watching you play guitar at the uh, YP party we have. Oh that man, one I sure hope so. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, I look forward to any chance we get to hang out. So sooner the better. Good stuff, man. Thank you so much. You, thank you, dude. Bye, everybody. Thank you.